Welcome back to another episode of Spotlight with Sandalina. I'm your talk show host, Sandalina Sitar, and today we have on a very special guest. We have on Alicia, who is a South Asian Muslim petite model and a full-time brand strategy project manager. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I met Alicia earlier this year, so I'd seen some of her content on social media, and she posts a lot about modeling as a petite South Asian woman. And that really stuck out to me because there was a time when I first moved to New York where I was considering getting into the modeling space just to have some fun and partner with some South Asian brands around the city. And I had a mutual friend connect me to Alicia, and she was very, very generous with her time and energy and guiding me which was, I think, really rare, I want to point out, um, to help out a stranger in this space, especially in such a competitive space. So I think that kindness and warmth really had a lasting impact on me. And that's why I wanted her to be one of my very first guests on the show. Thank you. Those words mean a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, all right. So let's get started. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself, but let's start at the very beginning. So where were you born and raised? Um, so I was actually born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Okay. Um, but mostly was raised in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. And then spent a lot of my childhood um, from age 15 throughout college in Little Rock, Arkansas. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's different than New York. Tell me a little yeah. bit more about Arkansas. Yeah. I usually get the what? Where? <laughs> Every time I say that. <laughs> um, yeah. It was honestly, it was very different. Like there wasn't a big, you know, South Asian or brown community right. at all. Um, and I came from that, right? Like in Texas, that's those were all of my right. friends. Um, I grew up with that, like with my community at the mosque, with um, people in school, or there was at least like a Hispanic, um, a large Hispanic community. So I felt like I was around a lot of people of color and a lot of culture in general. And then it was kind of like the opposite, like a different kind of culture shock when I went to Arkansas because there wasn't that much diversity and and I was considered exotic and right like <laughs> it was that word. it was yeah it was just completely different um and it was it was very very southern I feel like a lot of people yeah. were the kind of type of people who just kind of were complacent and um, wanted a different kind of life than I did totally. I feel like for me I was I was always reaching for. Um, you know, like my like parents are entrepreneurs, both of them. And right. so for me, it was like I've always wanted to start my own business or, um, you know, go to a big university or or like be, I was like, I want to be the CMO of a company. You know, like I always wanted yeah. those like big sorts of things, whereas everyone's dreams were like, oh, we'll just like have a job, you know, settle down, start a family. Like yep. those were their priorities and goals, which is amazing. But for me, like that wasn't what like excited me. Totally. Um, and so it was, it was, it was just kind of being around a lot of that. I love that you brought those points up because I think that's so relevant to the premise of this show. It's to talk about that deviating from that linear path to success and carving out your own journey. So I think that's absolutely beautiful. Um, you mentioned your parents are very entrepreneurial. Tell me a little bit more about them. So what did they do? How, how is, you know, how is their parenting philosophy and all that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, typical, you know, immigrant parents like yeah. came here with $2 in their pocket. Oh. Um, but really like, um, they, they pulled their bootstraps on and, and made something happen, um, with our family. We moved a lot, but I feel like after we finally settled down in Arkansas, both of my parents really grew into themselves. Um, my dad, you know, um, he owns gas stations, so he really expanded his portfolio there and even, wow. um, opened up a couple of other like properties and businesses. Um, and then my mom growing up, she used to do, um, like eyebrow threading and Mindy wow. at home. So we had a little room for her and we'd have, you know, her clients come. And so that was my whole childhood. 
And when we moved to Arkansas, she took the big leap of opening up her own salon. That's incredible. Um, and then she even um, franchised it and had two. And then, um, unfortunately, with COVID, I think she had to take a step back um, and retire. Makes but, sense. But also, even in, like, in her retirement, she's like taking online courses and getting certifications oh. for different things. And so I feel like just seeing that around me where like both of my parents, even at an older age, are constantly willing to learn and grow and yes. take the leap and take their risk into doing different things and not afraid to fail. Like that's always been what I've been around. And I feel like that's what I've kind of used to get to where I am today. And I think it's so important because we are a product of our environments. And to see that your parents were willing to take risks and leap of faith, I think totally aligns with your whole story to coming to New York too. But before we get there, I'm, I'm really curious. So what were they like as parents? I know that you are also Muslim. So how did that kind of tie into that? Were they maybe more possessive, a bit more controlling? Were they like, you know, you're a free bird, go fly? What was, what was their kind of balance? I know it's different for everyone. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, so I think... My mom is very religious, um, but I think a lot of times people kind of um, correlate religious with conservative, and I don't think that's always the case. I think she's really religious, but she was very liberal and open-minded. So okay. it was really nice to be able to have conversations with her. Um, I'd be like, well, mom, like, you know, I, like, I'm in college. I want to go um, to parties. I want to hang out with people. Yeah. Like, I want to do this. I want to do that. Of course. And I feel like she always... Um, allowed for conversation to happen and to see my perspective and things of that nature and like for us to be able to come to an understanding so I think that was really cool Um, and and like I remember all the time like there was a rule in our house like we always ate dinner together didn't matter like what day time like it would be 11 p.m. if we all got home that late we always have dinner together yeah and I feel like those were the places where we had the best conversations like our whole family would sit down and um, everyone would kind of share their perspective or talk about, you know, okay, well, like, this is not really, like, what we agree, you know, like, religiously yeah. what we agree on or, like, hey, I have this question, like, why do we do it a certain way or why do we believe this or, like, yeah. why is this a rule or whatnot? And so I feel like growing up, like, the dinner table was always a great way to, like, have those conversations. I love that. So I actually had a very similar dynamic in my household, too, growing up in California, one thing that I really appreciate about my family is they always welcome me questioning the religion and asking yeah. questions. And I, I think it's really sad because a lot of families in our community, and I'm sure you see this too, is a lot of them shut down the curiosity yeah. and, they, and they tell kids like, you know, you, you have to do it. It's what God said. And, and yeah. it's not, that's not a good way to teach someone. I think it's meant yeah. to be taught with warmth. And I think intellectual curiosity should be encouraged with absolutely. these things. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it's really sad to see it, you know, sometimes mess people up i think there's a lot of people in our generation that run away completely from family and religion they want nothing to do with it and i completely understand that course of action but it's it's frustrating because what parents don't realize is they're the ones that are causing that ultimately 100%. and they think that the tighter they hold the reins the closer the horse is but no the horse is going to break free and, and run yeah so no 100 i feel like that's what i experienced and i think my mom I know she's gonna listen to this podcast but <laughs> hi mama um, <laughs> um i think my mom she initially was like that. But I think when I started asking a lot more questions, instead of being like, that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, and that's just how she grew up, right? Like she maybe didn't even have the answers to a lot of those, but was told the same thing from yeah. her parents. Um, the more I started asking questions, she was like, okay, you know what? I actually don't have the answer, but let's find you someone or somewhere where you can get the answer. I love that. And I loved that. I feel like that was like a turning point in our relationship because she was like, look, like, I understand that you just can't follow like I can, 
Yeah. But because you have so many questions, let's get you answers so that you don't turn away and you don't run away and you do understand this a little bit better. So I really liked that too. That's so, so, so beautiful. Going back to the family thing. So do you have any siblings? I do. So I have a younger sister. Um, she is about to graduate from college. She's 22. Okay. Um, she's in Arkansas and she wants to be a nurse. So oh, I love she's that. Amazing. Love okay, her. so you're the older sister. I am. Okay, that explains why we get along. Yeah. That makes total yeah. sense. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then one more question on the upbringing. I think it's important to understand this, to understand kind of our mentality as full-fledged adults, especially when we're like creating content and getting and getting paid for things. What was your exposure to wealth as a kid? And what was the socioeconomic kind of status that you that you were used to seeing? Yeah. Um, I think I'd say like middle class, like period. Yeah. Maybe not even upper lower, just like I would consider us middle class. Um, there was never a point where my parents were like, you can't have this. They always did everything in their power to, to make us happy and to get yeah. things that we needed. Um, but I'd say like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of South Asians I know, especially in Texas or California or New York, um, I think they're a little flashy and I feel like that wasn't yeah. something that I really grew up with. And my parents aren't really like that. Like my dad at the age of like 55 just bought himself a Tesla and then like Aww. gave it back within six months. Cause he's like, I just feel like this is too much. Like I don't want to show off. I'm like, yeah. dude, you deserve it. Like you've, you've worked hard. You've put in, you know, you've put in the work, but I feel like for us, it was just like live within our means, be grateful for what you yes. have. Like, you know, don't be greedy. You don't need to like wear a designer. You don't have to be flashy. And so I feel like actually when I moved to New York, that was a crazy different culture <laughs> shock because I'm around so many people who are in finance or who did grow up yeah. with wealth or who did go to like big universities and started off with like massive incomes for their first job. And that was nowhere near what I experienced. No, that makes total sense. So I was also raised with very similar values. I think humility is very important. And I think it, maybe it's it's tied to religion too. Um, but I think in, in Islam, it's very important for us to give back, you know, mm -hmm. to, to be charitable and to offer help to others and not be greedy um, and, and to, you know, be kind of down to earth and one with spirituality and God. And I think that that really impacted my parents' parenting philosophy with money, too. So we, you know, similar to you, like middle class, upper middle class, I don't know where the line is, but like we I never really had to worry about, you know, how am I going to pay for this or college? Right. And my parents always made it work. But. The thing is, they, they always made it a point to say, you know, even if we have more than what we show, we don't, the world doesn't need to know. Exactly. No, my parents are exa the exact same way. And I feel like, um, you know, like the whole like um, sending money back to India, yes. or like helping your family. Yes. I feel like that's like, that's a bigger thing that we've always talked about and, and shared and done is like, we'd rather help people around us who need it or yeah. our family members or wh whoever needs it a lot more than like, you know splurging on something that you don't need to um and that doesn't mean that we like didn't go on vacations or didn't like yeah. go out to eat or like you know like we like enjoyed life but I feel like it just wasn't extravagant and it never needed to be I agree I think there's a difference between that kind of mindless spending and that intentional spending of yeah. like okay we want to go on a family vacation because this is going to re refine the children's worldview they're going to see a new country they're going to exactly. understand new cultures as opposed to saying I want a Gucci belt just so people know that I have money those exactly. are two completely different things and I think my parents sound very similar to your parents actually mm -hmm. is, is they prioritize that it was we have money but how do we want to use it we have to use yeah. it intelligently because um, yeah, it, it matters a lot and I think it impacts both of our lifestyles in New York, mm -hmm. I mean, it's no secret that living here is like crazy expensive. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, it's important to save for your future. And I think that the only way that I know I'm personally able to balance that is that upbringing. And I I'm sure you see this too, but I think people in, in, well, I guess anywhere, any big city, but there's a very strong mentality of upgrading your lifestyle 
constantly and mm. not being content with what you have and being within your means. I think that's something that's detrimental. Um, and we see that in the corporate world, you see people with golden handcuffs in jobs for years, decades that they're very unhappy with because they can't minimize their lifestyle down to something that's more manageable. Yeah. So I think that's huge. And I think it's a really important thing that you brought that up. Um, but let's get to who you were as a kid. So what were your dreams and aspirations when you were younger? Um, so it's kind of weird, but I wanted to be a dentist when I was younger. Um, I don't know why I loved going to the dentist. It was always like a happy thing for me. I know most people don't experience <laughs> that. <laughs> My dentist was really cool. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to be a dentist. Um, I feel like it was weird. I, before I started modeling, I did not know how to not smile. Like I was always smiling. <laughs> I, I didn't have any other expressions or faces um, for pictures or anything. And I was always smiling. And I feel like for me, I just wanted to make sure as a dentist that I could help people achieve the smiles that they wanted. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I wanted to be a dentist. Um, and that didn't work out clearly, uh, cause science is not my best subject. You have really nice teeth though. So <laughs> you. you got that. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean like, and then just going back to what I was like a child, I, I was actually really shy. Oh, um, I was very quiet. I was very shy. Um, yeah, I would like my mom would tell you like I would come home and cry all the time because I'd be like I have no friends. Oh, um, because I just was scared to talk to people yeah. and I was I was like you know little itty bitty girl, <laughs> um like underweight like big hair glasses buck teeth like you know all the works. Um, Part of growing up. Yeah. yeah, and um and I also couldn't like stick to anything. I feel like. That kind of goes into like my journey now, but I tried every sport you could think of, every activity, like, you know, playing the violin, gymnastics, basketball, soccer, like I would do all these things and I just never felt um, like I could be or like would be good at them. Um, like I never had that competitive drive within them or um, like wanted to go out of my way to practice like right. other people did and like get good at it I just was like okay well I've spent three months and I'm not naturally good at it so it's not for me um, I get that. and so between that and like not having Fred's childhood was like all right okay no that's fair that's <laughs> yeah. super fair um but I think it kind of turned when I started moving a lot so like okay. the big turning point was um right after the last day of ninth grade, my parents were like, hey, so we're moving to Arkansas. <laughs> and by the first day of school um, for 10th grade, I was in Little Rock. Yeah. And um, I like lost all my friends. I don't know a single person there. I looked different. I was the only South Asian in my entire high school. Jeez. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. I had like my life just completely turned. I don't even know where Arkansas was on the map before I moved <laughs> there. Like it just completely changed things for me and I I took a like a minute to myself and I was like this is a chance for me to reinvent myself no yeah. one knows me here no one knows about me here I can be literally whoever I want to be I can do whatever I want because I have no history it's a clean slate yeah um which obviously is terrifying and scary but also it was exciting because I molded myself into someone who was confident and who led wow. things and joined a lot of clubs and tried a bunch of different things and and was this like leader um at my school so like I started a diversity club nice um I like started fundraising events I was like volunteering left and right um I joined the soccer team even though I've never played soccer in my entire <laughs> life I was like I'm gonna try it. something new um I was a captain of the dance team like I just did anything and everything and I 
I completely molded myself into this person who like just went after what she wanted. Um, and I think that has made it very easy for me to make the transition into like moving wherever I want, starting yeah. a new life, making new friends, going after what I want. Like that was such a pivotal moment for me um, that I, I was able to like study abroad when I was in college and like it wasn't terrifying nice. at all, you know, um, and like travel the world whenever I want and do solo trips or like honestly go with random people all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like the shift from like shy girl and then moving and then becoming this confident girl, like, I don't know. It's been impactful. So that's a crazy switch. And I love that growth. I want to ask, did you have any support in making that kind of 180? Was it like your parents? Did you ever seek professional help? And the reason I ask this is because I feel like I also reinvented myself more recently when I moved to New York. A kind of a similar story is, you know, I was I was this one person in California and I, I wanted to be someone else. And, mm -hmm. and I, I learned and I, and I grew, but I needed the help of a therapist back when I was in California in my last year there. Yeah. So I want to ask, did you ever seek any help or support in making such a big transition? Um, I think at that moment it was mostly just family and friends, but... I go to therapy now done wonders for me. And I yeah. think, um, it's, it's, huge. it's clearly not talked about enough in our community either. Oh, totally. And seen as something that's so, um, negative. Yeah. But, um, I think that's still even helping me today. Yeah. No, thank you so much for sharing that. I know yeah. there's such a stigma around mental health, especially in the South Asian community. I know there's a lot of parents, thankfully, thank God mine weren't like this, but I've, I've seen it where they're like, you know, depression's not real. I just, mm -hmm. just go pray. Yeah, or you're like sad. Go to school, like, you're fine. Like, why are you sad? Get out of bed. Like, oh what's wrong? God. And yeah. it's like, no, like sometimes we need help. And I think acceptance is really important in that. And I think it's so cool that you're currently going to therapy. I want to ask quickly about college. So where did you go to college and what did you study? So I actually went to college in Arkansas. Right. Um, it's a private liberal arts college called Hendricks. Nice. Um, and I studied, so I got a business and econ degree. Okay. And then I kind of like created my own major, like concentration within it okay. um, for marketing. And then I minored in sociology. Oh, so then after graduation, where did you start working after that? Um, so I actually started working for a startup in Arkansas okay. because I, um, was just scared to take the next leap Fair. actually. Um, and so I just played it safe. I got like, I barely even interviewed. I, uh, did an internship and my boss for my internship started working at a different startup and she took me with her. And so I was like, easy, cool. I don't have to even apply. I don't even have to try. Like I'm, I'll just start this job right out of college. Yeah. Um, which I did and it was great. But it was a startup. And as you know, startups go, um, it, we just stopped receiving funding after okay. 10 months. So within 10 months out of college, I was out of a job again. Okay. Um, that is when I took the bigger leap. And I was like, um, I've been in Arkansas. I think I've, you know, like I've outgrown this space. I'm ready to yeah. take the leap and go somewhere else and go to a new city. And um, I just wanted to be in a big city. I think for me, it was yeah. like I wasn't around the kind of people that I wanted to be around when I was in Little Rock. I talked about that earlier, like yeah. just like us having different goals and priorities in life. Um, and there just weren't companies that I felt like um, were were the kind of companies that I wanted to work for yeah. in Arkansas. Um, so I was applying left and right and I got an offer for a job in DC for a Ooh. startup um, as like a event marketer okay and so um I had done a lot of like fundraising events and stuff in college um also started my own club in college it was a non-profit organization so we did a lot of funding okay. like uh funding events 
And um, that experience led me to becoming an event manager for um, a startup in D.C., and that was my first foray into, you know, really being in the city, like yeah. getting my own apartment, paying for my own bills. Again, like did not know a single person in D.C., right. had to like restart my life there. Um, and that was an amazing experience. I learned a lot. Um, but D.C. wasn't the city for me. You I know? get that. It's I a great place, but I get is. it. It is a great place. Um, but I didn't feel connected to people. Um, I think a lot of people were into like the political scene or work for Congress. And I was like that's cool and I love learning from you but like I want to be in a marketing hub or I want to be in a more creative hub um and that wasn't DC and so once COVID hit um my job went remote my lease was up I moved back home and um I had spent a weekend in New York while I was living in DC um in that one weekend, I fell in love with the city. It sounds so cliche. <laughs> fell in love with the city. And I was like, this time next year, I'm going to move to New York. Yeah. Um, obviously, COVID happened. So it didn't happen the like, exact one year. Um, but I just couldn't stop thinking about being New York. I was like, this is D.C., but better. Yeah. Um, it has everything I want, everything I need. Like It's, it's like the dream city. Um, so I moved back home. I actually quit my job because I wasn't enjoying it once it went remote um I started freelancing as a marketing strategist okay and um saved up enough money to move to New York wow so you made it happen you made a promise to yourself and you you followed through on it yeah that's incredible one thing that I think about as I look back on my journey and and I want to touch on this too how has spirituality I think kind of molded your journey and thought process And, and are you spiritual is it something that you feel in your heart is it something that's more like oh, I'll, I'll go to the mosque or what, what's your kind of relationship with that? And how has that shaped you? I think it's just, I think the day, as long as you're a good person, you, you mean well, you don't intentionally try to hurt people or lie or cheat. Yeah. Um, like at the end of the day, that's, that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, does it matter how you practice it or how you do it or, or like which traditions or rituals you follow? I think for me, um, so I'm a smiley and okay. the smiley community is is massive and integrated and amazing. Yeah. And um, the two things for me are like, I love being a part of the community who is so supportive with each other. Um, and then I kind of just like praying in my own way. Like it doesn't, right. it doesn't mean that it has to be, you know, three to five times a day. It doesn't mean that it has to um, be in Arabic. I think for me, it's like as long as you're, you're reflecting within yourself, you're talking to God and you're being a good person, it doesn't really matter how you do it or where you do it. I completely agree. I think it's all about, again, the intention and, and just really following through on on the morality part of it and just having a moral compass and treating people mm-hmm. with kindness and empathy and grace. And I you know, want to come back a little bit to this. I think there's a huge mindset um, of the opposite of that sometimes in the community. I don't know what your experience level is, but I can speak. You know, I, I grew up in, I think, a very liberal chapter within my community in Silicon Valley. But I still do think that there is a little bit of a culture of like aunties talking you know what I mean and that (laughs) that so so okay I'll give an example so I so I in high school I started cheerleading um I just you know I was young and I it was like a sport thanks thanks and I was I mean you did it all four years I was like captain my senior which was really awesome and not because I was good at it probably just because I was good at leading but I don't think I was ever good at cheerleading but anyways the point is I did it all four years and I remember I my profile picture was like of 
you know, one of the photo shoots in the uniform and everything. My mom got a phone call and I was like, oh my God, like, why, why yeah. are we doing this? And, and, you know, people, I think people mean well, more or less, but it, you know, it, it's still kind of, it's still kind of hard sometimes. So I want to ask your, what's your experience level with that in the community with auntie culture? Oh yeah. I mean, I could go on and on <laughs> about auntie culture. Um, but I think, I don't know. I think for me, um, I, I decided that that's not what's important. Like, I think for me, like, it's, it's like what Hasan Minaj says, right? Like the lokyakahenge, like we yeah. fall into that. And I feel like our parents always fall into that. And for me, I'm like, I'm not living for them. If yeah. I, if I let what every single other person said about me stop me, I would have never achieved all the things I've achieved. Exactly. Today. So whether it's aunties, whether it's haters, whether it's people our age, I don't, it doesn't matter to me right. because I, they're not paying my bills. They're not helping me grow in my modeling success. They're yeah. they're not doing anything for me except bringing me down. Um, and at one point, you kind of just have to let that go and yeah. like find support with the people or find like comfort and kindness with the people who do support you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, especially when I first started, my mom was like, "Oh, don't post this. Don't like if you, it's okay if you do it, but like when don't you first post started it. modeling, to be yeah. fair, okay. Yeah. When I first started modeling, right, it was like, um, like, yeah, sure, you can do that shoot, but like." Just don't post it or like, you know, because I don't like we don't want people to see in the community. Of course. We we don't want aunties to say things or whatnot. And I'm like, I can like, sure. Right. Because like maybe you don't want to hear it. Maybe you don't want to go through that. But also I would love for you to stand up for me because you support me. And like if if you are going to support me, support me all the way. Right. Yeah. Like don't don't be like, oh, like do it, but don't post about it. Yeah. Because. The whole that's how I grow my career is if I post about it and other yeah. people see it. That's like literally the whole point that's of it. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. So um you can't really support me halfway. So I feel like that was a conversation we had to have. And and of course there's still ups and downs with that. Right. Um but but yeah, I kind of just had to have that conversation with her and be like, look, I don't care what the aunties say. Yeah. And I think also because I've just kind of kept pushing forward with it and and been doing my thing. Even when I go back home now, the aunties actually come up to me and they're wow. like, Alicia, we love seeing what you're doing. And like, we want to be a model too. teach us, <laughs> you know, like, like, I feel like it's been a complete 180. Yeah. Whereas before there were like, you know, like talking about it. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, oh, like we love it. We love it. We want to see more. Yeah. And so I feel like you kind of just have to push through and that's not easy. I think once you push through and you're on the other side of it, people start respecting your craft and respecting what you do yes. and, and understand that you're trying to help shift the mindset of a community or a group of people. Yeah. And I think that's so important. And I think it's hard, right? I kind of try to separate. I'm like, okay, I know there are some people out there that are genuinely concerned that are genuinely like have my best interest in heart and are reaching out out of a place of love, but that's not everybody. There's a good Mm -hmm. amount of people that I think thrive off of their own insecurity about what their kids are up to. And they feel better bashing other people's kids because it makes them feel like a better parent. And it's just not, it's not nice and it's mm. it's not fair. And I, I completely agree with what you say about kind of that switch of, of the respect that you receive. I think as soon as I became more confident in what I was doing, I think I started earning the respect of people within my community too. Yeah, and yeah. that was just such a crazy switch. I remember I used to be private on Instagram. I used to like hide everything. And I was like, oh, I don't want anyone to see because it might, it was interesting. My parents were never like lokyakenge, but my parents I wanted to do it out of respect for my parents. I was afraid of, I don't care what Lokia Genge about me, but I don't want them to go to the mosque and have to face people and have to feel like they failed as parents. I think that's what was scaring me 
was not the opinions, but the judgment on my parents. And I, I didn't want to put them through that. But it's interesting because I think my mom has definitely always been a bit more like nervous about that stuff. And, and like, God bless her heart. I totally get it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a huge shift for them. Um, my dad, thankfully, has always been like a everybody can screw off. This is my family. Like, I, I don't that. care what anyone says. <laughs> and I think that rubbed off a little bit on my mom over the years. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. And now I'm in the present day. I'm like public on every social media platform. And I have yeah. people from my mom's community reaching out and be like, we love that you talk on TikTok about mm -hmm. things. We love that you like host events and do things. All right. So let's get into the big move to the big city. So I think it'd be mm -hmm. fair to say that it's like, you know, small town girl with yeah. big dreams that made it a reality. So yeah. <laughs> walk me through. So you get to New York and how do you break into this space and what's kind of your evolution of thought? I actually started modeling back in Arkansas during COVID. I, I had done a couple of runway shows when I was in high school um, because I had some friends who were in fashion school. When I moved back home for COVID, um, I kept going back to that thing where I was like, why don't I have a hobby? Why can't I stick to mm. something? Why am I not good at anything, right? Like I'm good at my job, but that's my job. Like yeah. I want something of my own. I don't even know how it happened, but I was like, I honestly take really bad pictures of myself. And it like just started off as that. I was like, I want to like take better pictures of myself and I want something creative that I can tap into. Okay. Um, and then I applied for an agency in Arkansas. I mean, like I got in, I guess, but I wasn't booking anything. And I was okay. like, is do you have this? to pay a fee up front? How does how does that work actually if anybody's um, interested in breaking in? Yeah, it depends. Sometimes there are fees, sometimes okay. there are not. Um, it's a usual case by case basis, but usually um, you have an agent and your agent books you from the agency and they just take 20% commission for everything okay. that you book, like okay. for the payment that you would get. And 20% is pretty standard across the board. Okay. No matter what city or agency That's good to you know. work with. Um, but yeah, so got signed to an agency. Right. Um, wasn't booking anything like at all, not a single one. And I was like, this is strange. Mm. Um, had a conversation with the agent and they were like, so maybe you should try looking taller. Mm. I was like, okay. And how tall are you? I'm five, three. So I was like, um, okay. And at this point I didn't know anything about the modeling world. Like I, I was just like, oh, I'll try, you know, like I'll see how it works out. Um, so like, yeah, try to look taller. It's probably why you're not booking anything. Um, and I was like, mm, okay, this seems weird. So I literally kid you not, went into Google and was like, can you model if you're short? <laughs> so that was my I've Googled exact, that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was my exact search. Um, and I found a couple of resources. Um, actually, this petite model, she had a blog, she had a podcast. She was posting a lot about it. And she's, I think she's 5'4", 5'3 okay. um, or 5'4". Um, and she's also a person of color. And she had all these resources and so I spent like the next two weeks just reading and researching and researching and doing all this stuff um, and following all her tips. So I reached out to like photographers, built a portfolio. Nice. When I left Arkansas and came to New York, um, I had a portfolio built and I, I knew how to pose in front of the camera and I knew how to make myself look taller and I knew what all these things to do. Um, and I started like posting on these like modeling Facebook groups, which be aware, a lot of them can be scams. Um, right. You have to pick and choose. But I posted on Facebook groups. Um, I started joining like casting networks um, and like casting call websites. I started following agencies because sometimes they post about like when they need models for gigs on okay. their Instagram stories. I just started like like I call it Instagram studying, but <laughs> essentially Instagram stalking, like other models, other agencies, mm -hmm. casting directors, like just doing as much research as I can. The minute I started talking to more people and vocalizing it and calling myself a model, right? Like 
everyone makes fun of me that I have NYC model on my Instagram handle. No, but, but it's it a brand. Works. Yeah. You have to brand, right? Like whenever someone's looking for a New York model, they go into Instagram and search NYC model. Yeah. And I'm the first one that pops up. Yeah. That's how I've gotten a lot of gigs. People have been found me directly on Instagram, liked the work wow. that I posted and then DM'd me for a job. And so I feel like a lot of it has like literally just been me constantly putting myself out there, whether it's at a party, at an event, anywhere and everywhere. One thing I love about New York is I feel like if you just say yes, you will find yourself in a world of possibilities and a bunch of doors start opening up. And I love what you said. It's just about putting yourself out there, creating yeah. that brand, responding to messages, showing up to parties and events and just having the confidence to introduce yourself. I think yeah. that does wonders more than I ever realized back in California. I realized there's so much about self-branding and and even if it's like a diluted sense of confidence, oh, at least fake it. You yeah. have to fake you it. You fake it until you make it. That's what everyone's doing. I even started doing it before I felt credible or felt like I achieved the goal. Like I was yeah. calling myself a model when I like had one picture in my portfolio. The confidence that comes from that, it yeah. rubs off on other people and other people see it. They admire it and appreciate it. They and see your vision. They see your vision yeah. and it takes you places. It, I think you really just have to believe in it yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that belief in self is contagious. And I think yeah. people start seeing it with you. And people mm -hmm. are, I find people are generally really supportive with, with this kind of thing. But I want to ask you, what have been your biggest milestones so far in your modeling career? Moments where you were like, oh my God, I made it. Okay, so I think I actually started off this like 2023 with three goals. Okay. So one was um, to book a like big branded campaign. Okay. Um, where I like got paid. It was like a well-known brand. I feel like I'm working with a lot of like small businesses, but like right. a big well-known brand um, to get an offer from an agency that I really really want to work with it's really like a cool experience like something that I like maybe don't even think of my like think of that I could achieve or like have for myself um and crazily enough I've achieved all three goals wow so um I worked with my first skincare brand it's I don't know if I could actually say the name massive campaign like a brand that like everyone knows went viral on TikTok um I got to do like a skincare came with campaign for their new product so very very excited about that um, and then I, um, have gotten a couple of offers from agencies, haven't decided anything yet. Wow. Got a couple of offers, um, last week. Oh my God. I remember so, we talked about this earlier in the year. Yeah. You're like, I really want to work with an agent. Oh yeah. my God. Congratulations. So, thank you. So we'll see. There's, it's a lot that goes into like the contracts and just like, you know, deciding if it's for you. Yeah. So, um, we'll see if, if I move forward with that. Um, and then the other one, you know, yeah. but Paris Fashion Week, <laughs> which even seems crazy to say out loud yeah. right now because, like I said, I'm 5'3", and um, for those who don't know, 5'9 um, is usually the minimum height to right. walk runway. So it's kind of bizarre that someone like me was even able to walk or yeah. even be near <laughs> the fashion show. Um, so um, that was that was insane i got to work for or walk for um rkj designs and yeah. she's the most phenomenal designer she and seems like it wonderful human being yeah. and her collections are always about like being inclusive and diverse um, yes and i love that so that was an honor to do um i actually got to work walk for her for new york fashion week earlier this year and then paris fashion week later and so that has just been an amazing amazing journey that i've been so grateful for
I cannot even imagine. I was keeping up with it on social media. I was so <laughs> invested in your journey because I've seen you from earlier yeah. this year. I, I remember you saying, these are things I want to do. And seeing you do that and so much more has been so heartwarming. And, and I think what I appreciate even more than all of that is I know that it's not as easy for you as it is for other models that are yeah. taller or just not South Asian. So I want to hear a little bit more about your experiences and your struggles. Like I want to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. One thing that has been an interesting learning is um it's almost like south asians are not really a category if that makes sense sometimes you'll see you know you'll see um latinx or you'll see african-american right. or you'll see caucasian or asian which like definitely doesn't mean south asian it just right. means east east typically. asian um and then there's a really big category called ethnically ambiguous for so long it was like I never saw the word, words South Asians ever on a casting. Wow. Um, you don't see many, like, South Asians on model boards for agencies. Like, there, there's not that many of us. I could, like, name all 10 of them for you, like, between U.S. and India. You know what I mean? Wow. And it's, like, who've, like, signed with the agency. And it's just not that many of us. Wow. Um, and so there are struggles. And then on top of that, runway – 100% has height requirements, right? Right. But I was shocked to see that there were even height requirements for other, like, types of modelings. So um, sometimes even for beauty, I would get asked my height. What? But beauty is shoulders up. Yeah. So why does my height sense. matter? Um, a lot of times for fashion, right? Because, like, the clothes have to fit you properly. Or, like, mm -hmm. if it's bridal, they want the gown to, like, look a certain way on a taller person. And so it's hard because you're like, I can wear heels. I can stand on a stool. I can do whatever you need me to do, but I can't change my height, right? Like I can dye my hair. I can get filler. I can lose weight. I can do whatever sure. you need me to do, right? If like this is a goal that I'm trying to achieve and that's the way I want to do it. But I physically cannot do anything about my height. Yeah. Um, that is one thing that I actually cannot change. So it's like you either embrace it or you leave it. It's competitive, I think, in general, too, it feels like there just aren't that many opportunities. Maybe they're starting to come up a little bit more. They are. But within that, I also, one thing that maybe you've noticed, too, is in the South Asian space, there's, you know, maybe a handful of faces that that everybody wants. And it makes total sense. Like, there's a, a lot of talent out there. But what has been your, I guess, your relationship with that and kind of the competition within the South Asian space? A lot of South Asian brands, because they're really trying to compete in the larger space yeah um and they might not have massive budgets or they might not um be a big enough brand just yet yeah um try to maximize on marketing and i think it's very smart right yeah. like i think from a mark like i'm in marketing from a marketing perspective i would also tell a brand to do this use influencers right? yeah because they can double as a model and you you capture their audience so if you don't have a big budget or if your goal is to connect with the community and have a pretty face, your best bet is an influencer. Yeah. Totally. Um, so, and I think a lot of South Asian brands do that. And I think that's great, you know, again, from a marketing perspective for them to like connect with their audience, to gain those followers um, and to give influencers brands to collab with. Yeah. I think the issue is that a lot of times the word or like the title model and influencer get blurred and confused right. and used interchangeably. And I think there's a difference, right? You're using an influencer because you want to tap into their network. Right. Right. You want to gain 
the trust and value and sell your product to their audience yeah and and you know they do it in a very authentic and and amazing way yeah um if you're using a model models usually don't have those networks right you're using a model because maybe she knows her poses and lighting and like you know has the look that you want so I feel yeah. like there's a difference and I think that gets blurred a lot in the South Asian community and within the brands. Right. Um, so then the same influencers are tapped a lot and labeled as models. Yeah. No, I think that makes complete sense. And I, I like that you point out the business strategy perspective. So I think that gives us just a little bit more of understanding of where the brands are coming from. Talking about influencers, I want to talk about the relationship with social media. I think one thing that we've spoken before is comparison is a thief of joy when it comes to social media and you can have this big win and you can feel so good about it and then you can go on instagram and see somebody else doing something else and obviously logically we know that you know let's be happy for each other it's it's a small space it's representation but sometimes it just it just hurts so i want to i want to hear about that what has your experience with that been like i mean i'm not gonna lie i probably compare myself like 10 times a day to people of course it's Um, natural i feel like that's kind of like the double-edged sword of living in New York is like you have motivation because everyone's doing everything and achieving all these things and it pushes you to do better and do more. But then also you never feel like enough. Yeah. And I feel like that gets to me all the time, right? I'm like, oh, well, why didn't I get this opportunity? Or, oh, she booked this. I want to I wanna book that too. Or like, hey, I've been working so hard. What's wrong with me? Like, Or what do I not have that she has? I get it. Right? And I feel like that's, that's normal. It's, it's human. It's human nature. Um, and that's going to happen, but I feel like you just can't let that turn into like jealousy or competition or like act on it. And I feel like, um, I feel like that's kind of the line, right? Like one being proud of the accomplishments that you've done. Yeah. And, and I need reminders of that all the time, like all the time. I feel like I don't give myself enough credit for like the things that I've achieved and achieved and how far I've come. But the other side of it is also understanding that there is space for everyone. And the opportunity, like the reason you didn't get the opportunity isn't about you. Maybe that person was more available. Maybe they're a full-time content creator or model. Maybe they were looking for someone who fits into the clothes and it's not your size. Like it is literally not about you. Like, you know, like in the nicest way possible, it's literally not about you. It just is about the circumstance or what that person or that brand needed at the time or maybe that person was at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And you can't let that get to you. So yeah. just understanding that you can be happy for yourself um, and be sad about maybe not receiving an opportunity, but using that to fuel yourself for like yeah. maybe the next goal. And then also understanding that there's space for everyone. So maybe if you didn't get it this time, you'll get it next time. Like yeah. there doesn't need to be jealousy or competitiveness or anything like that. And I love that you said that because I think that's something that's not talked about enough in this space is there is room for everybody and we can yeah. be inclusive. And that's part of the reason I connected with you so quickly that first phone call we had because I was like, you get it. You, get, I've met people in this space that don't. They, yeah. they don't get it no, and they yeah. get really catty and I, it's, it's really frustrating because we're all trying to make it. Like we're all, we all collectively are a minority yeah. in the mainstream <laughs> media. So the best thing we can do is just lift each other up and not play mm-hmm. these mind games of yeah. how many followers does she have? Did she get this? Oh, why was she at this party? Why was she not at this event? It's just so, it's so juvenile. I, it I it, it's frustrating. I, I love, I love that you said all of that. So thank you for sharing. I know it's mm-hmm. not easy to admit, but the thing about social media is it plays on our insecurities. And I think that's a little yeah. bit 
of what makes it so addicting. It's like this unhealthy relationship. It's the positives. You can keep up with things. You, you see opportunities. You see what yeah. your friends are up to. But there's also this really dark side that makes you look in the mirror and sometimes go, oh, I wish I was something else. And I think it's important to rationalize your way out of that. Exactly how you said and realize it's not, it's never personal. It's, yeah. it's never personal. It's just, it's business at the end of the day. It's logistics, it's business. And everybody has their own journeys. Maybe it's yeah. somebody else's time to shine and later it'll be yours. And, and maybe that's exactly. okay. Exactly. I feel like I also do this thing where I compare myself and then I have to take a step back and I'm like, this person has been doing this for 10 years yeah. or they've been doing it full time. Yeah. I'm trying to juggle like my job and this thing. Um, I also only started three years ago. You know, yeah. like, like I feel like we always compare ourselves to like where someone is and it's like, okay, but it took like you, you're not, you're not seeing the behind the scenes of them working for 10 years to get to this. Yes. Spot. Yes. You see the highlight reel. Exactly. exactly. You see that highlight reel. You see all the good. You don't see the bad. You don't see the ugly. Yeah. And obviously like people don't talk about it. Right. Because it hurts or it kind of sucks to admit it sometimes. It does. Um, but yeah, like I've gotten like rejected left and right for things. Yeah. Um, I apply to a hundred castings and maybe book one. Yeah. Um, that's real. And like, that's just how it is. And that's what happens. And again, it's not personal. It's literally just about like maybe someone submitted before me or, yeah. you know, I have two pimples and they don't like it could <sighs> literally be yeah. anything. Yeah. I'm, I'm really impressed by the level of introspection that you've displayed in all this. And I think it's so important to dig within and ask ourselves these questions and have these conversations and, and think through this rationally. Speaking of introspection, what would you say are your strengths and weaknesses as an individual today? Strength is definitely like putting myself out there okay, and networking and connecting and, and just like taking risks and not being afraid. Yep. And I'm not going to sit here and waste my time thinking about, oh, like I wonder what they thought when I said this or I wonder if I do this, like I'm just going to do it. Even small things like I um, – we'll reach out to like models on like via dms like i'll just slide into their dms and i'm like hey like i'm a model in new york i'm just starting out i like your work i think you're doing amazing things i would love to learn from you can we hop on a call and can i learn from you yeah and i've been so shocked and impressed by people's kindness and generosity we like we talk about how catty and crazy and how in it for themselves this world is but then there's also so many people yep. who are who are so willing to take time out to help you. And I've always felt that I try to give, like I try to do the same with yeah. my platform, like my super small platform. It I, reached me before I met you, <laughs> if that means anything. Um, but like I, again, like there's so much room for us to all come together and grow in this community and, and just like in whatever field you're trying yeah. to accomplish yourself in that there's no reason to like gatekeep or no reason to hide things or yeah. only keep it in your circle. That is just like something I've really, really tapped into and something I hope I can like continue doing no matter what I end up doing with the rest of my life. Like that, I would say that's one of my biggest strengths. It's just like not being afraid to do that. What would you say are your intrinsic motivating factors? I think it's so interesting that you laid all this out, but as you look to the future, what fuels you? I've just seen my parents and my family work so, so hard for everything and to to give me the life that I have today and I mean like, at the end of the day I just want to make them proud you know like I want them to be so proud like this is Alicia this is my daughter like Aww. she's doing these things um even on the way here I called my mom and I was like mom I'm speaking on a podcast today oh. and she was like 
Veta, I'm so proud of you. And like, I almost cried on the streets. Um, but oh. it's just like, obviously this is not something easy for like a South Asian or a Muslim parent to be like, my yeah. daughter's out there modeling, you know, for who knows what. For her to be like, I'm so proud of you. Wow. That is that is huge, right? Like yeah. all our parents ever want is for us to be happy and successful in whatever, in whichever way that means for us. Um, and so definitely making my family proud, my friends proud, um, and honestly myself proud. I feel like I've always seen other people and and seen their accomplishments and how other people give them the respect yeah. when they um, achieve those things. Um, and I don't think I had that for myself for a long time. Um, and so now I'm starting to see it. And like people are starting to see the hard work that I put in and the hustle that I put in. Good. Um, you deserve and that, that makes me proud for myself. Good. I love that. <laughs> Let's talk life partners. Yeah. So what has your philosophy been on the whole life partner thing? Have you always been a lover girl? Have you been like, I'm on my own? What's your philosophy? Yeah. Um, I was definitely like, a free independent, you know, woman <laughs> for a very long time, kind of just doing my own thing, um, enjoying, having fun, right? Like wanting to focus on me and myself and my friends and traveling and just enjoying life. I have a partner, a significant okay. other. Um, we've been together for about four years now. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, he's absolutely amazing and yeah. wonderful. You guys are cute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, he's, he's amazing. He's like the love of my life probably a controversial opinion but um we've been long distance for four years ah and um I think that has actually been really really good for us because we both have such strong passions and yeah have such um like such dedication to our crafts yeah. that um and like whether it's like you know professionally like our job or like whatever we do outside of our job um it's been so nice to kind of be able to move to New York and create my own life and dive into these things um, so I could still be my own person in the relationship. Yes. Because I feel like sometimes you lose yourself. Absolutely. Um, and that was honestly one of my biggest fears. And I think that's why I stayed single or like kind of did my own thing for so long is like I didn't want to lose myself and I wanted to be really strong in who I was and in my identity. Um, and I feel like being long distance has, I mean, obviously it sucks because you want to sure. be with your person sure. all the time. But um, be, being able to, like, create our own lives um, and then come together and, like, share that with each other, I think has been really, really, really amazing. That is so beautiful. And I, I love that you mentioned that. It's something that I think about, too, for myself is I feel like I've definitely been in situations in my life where I've maybe lost myself completely. And as I'm, you know, in New York and pursuing my passions finally for the first time in my life on the side of my regular job, I ask myself, I'm like, how would a partner fit into all of this. And I, of course I want to get married. Oh my God. I'm such a big lover. Girl. Talk <laughs> about on TikTok. <laughs> I'm always like, okay guys, where's my husband? Like, come on. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I think about that. I'm like, it's like, I want to maintain the autonomy of my daily routine, at least mm -hmm. while I'm in the early stages of pursuing my passions. Yeah. Maybe when I, you know, reach the peak of whatever this is meant to be and plateau, then I'm happy to like split my time multiple ways with the yeah. life partner and family and stuff. But at least for the next couple of years, I think about it. And I'm like, long distance sounds like a great, happy medium. It is. It sounds so appealing to me. And mm -hmm. it's counterintuitive. But it's like you can still pursue your own life and, and make sure that you're not joined at the hip. Yeah. And then when, you know, when things get more serious and you're thinking about marriage and, and then you can come together and then your lives can converge. But I think the 
premature convergence can oftentimes lead to the demise of yeah. a lot of relationships mm-hmm. that I see. Um, so I think that's so cool that you mentioned that. And on that topic, what would you say are your key learnings about yourself through love? Is there anything that surprised you about yourself or anything you've been impressed by or had to grow through? I'm definitely like the firecracker, like loud, <laughs> outgoing, you know, um, person in the relationship. And my boyfriend is a lot more like calm, cool, collected, patient. Um, but I think we've we found a really good way to share that with each other and then like rub off our good qualities on each other too. And so I feel like um, with me, he's definitely helped me like over the last four years learn how to be more patient and understanding and see like the other side. I think us girls, maybe not everyone, like not generalizing, but I think most of us um, – do like the quick um, double standards thing, right? Like <laughs> I'm a princess and I can do this, but you can't. Um, and so I feel like I did that a lot. And it's um, it's been a good learning to understand yeah. that like I, I can see it from his perspective. I can be like, yeah, like it's not fair that I'm doing this to you and you don't get to do it back to me or whatever. You know, like, sure. just, like just like understanding that there are two sides to everything. Yeah. Um, and then for him, I feel like I've helped him really crack out of a shell and be social. I love that. Um, uh, I think he was more of the kind of person who does like one-on-one hangouts or, you know, like um, is like a little bit more of a homebody. Yeah. Um, if it's not with his like close friend circle. Um, and so whenever he either comes to visit or I go to visit, we're all, like I'm always pushing him to be more social or like branch out of his friend group or, or just do more things that um, help him meet new and different people and kind of like build out you know yeah his social network and so it's been nice to like lean on each other and learn different things from each other and that's something I've always wanted in a relationship is we can teach each other things we can and we're open to learning things from each other and we're also open to trying new things together um and so I feel like that's that's been amazing in our relationship whether it's communication whether it's like learning how to be patient whether it's learning um you know, and like, I feel like I've even rubbed off of some of the sassiness. And so if I'm sassy with him, he's, he sasses me back. And I'm like, good, good. Like we need, we need a little bit of that, you know, yeah. to make sure that I am not taking advantage of your niceness and, um, things of that nature. So I feel like it's a really good balance. Yeah. Um, and that's not, it's not easy to achieve without both people being open-minded and like communicating that that is something that they both want. You know, what I think I love in all of this is your humility and willingness to learn and grow. I think I see a lot of things, especially TikTok is so bad for this kind of stuff. I think there's a lot of this narrative of like, oh, like I deserve this, 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 this. And, you know, people ask like, what do you bring to the table? It's like myself. And it's like, that's not, that's not an answer. (laughs) You know, like you have to think about yourself holistically and think about the fact there's another person and you have to take and give. It's about sacrifice and compromise and, and caring for each other it shouldn't just be a one-way relationship so what are your plans for the future I definitely love to stay in New York as long as possible um I think it's it's been really good to me it's really helped me achieve all my goals and dreams and so I definitely want to um stay here until I feel content and satisfied with what I've gotten from New York um but also I would love to, you know, not be long distance of course. with my significant other. And so hopefully eventually we um, find a way. He's in med school. And so hopefully okay. once um graduates and kind of figure out what his next steps are, um, we can find a way to live in a city where we're both happy. I definitely yeah. would love to live in a big city. Um, 
he doesn't really get to decide that with his career right. path. And right. so I think it'll it'll be a conversation when that happens. But um, I'm excited. I'm excited to keep modeling and keep doing my full-time job and keep growing um, my community online, hopefully. Wow, you are absolutely incredible. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming in today. It's been an honor chatting with you. Of course. Same here. The honor is mine. (laughs) (laughs) If you ever have any questions for Alicia, you can reach out to her. I'll link her socials. But anyways, thank you all so much for watching. I'm your host. We're signing off.